podcast on this Monday evening. Uh, with me tonight, we have my co-host, Peter A. Allison. Good evening, everyone. And we are, we are joined by special guests, Patrick King. Hello. And Pixel Murr. Hello there. Right, you two. <laughs> Who are you? What do you do? Why are you here? What on earth are we? What are we, Patrick? <laughs> what, what are we? Uh, we are many things. Um, we are we are friends. Um, we we we're, we're co-creators. Um, we are currently working on a um, a film project in Derby um, for our production company, Gary's Forest Productions, and we are. Um, uh, the film is is called Slaughter Alley, and it's a sort of grindhouse um, exploitation, exploitation sort of film. film. Yes, and yeah, so it's it's a it's a short film, and um, it's it follows a dystopian television program called Slaughter Alley um, with A L L E Y, in which people have to fight their way through a death maze pursued by ver- various unpleasant characters. Um, and the, the the concept is that they, if they survive, they will win um, a lot of money. But if they do not, they will simply be entertainment for the masses. Yes. Uh, did I? And uh, yeah, so we are working on that at the moment. We've assembled a, a, a rather delightful crew of uh, folks in the Midlands. But <laughs> yeah, sort of kind of um, like a Running Man sort of thing going. I on. was thinking. Yes. That. Yeah. Yes. We, we've had a lot of the comparison to to the Running Man, and I kind of I wish I'd spotted that comparison when I was writing it, but we're, <laughs> we're a bit too far into thinking now. But it, it's, there is there is there is a um uh the I, I suppose uh, there is more of a, a sort of um there is is a lot of of kind of um. Well, we take a lot of influences from all over, all over, really, because it's it's not as if like the idea of a dystopian TV program <laughs> yeah, it is, is, is necessarily kind of new because it's been around like the idea of media controlling our lives and of us kind of like I think that there was a there was a film or what like. Uh, many years ago called i think it was called the year of the sex olympics okay. which is one of the first uh, films which which kind of dealt with this idea of um yeah what what if you know horrible things were put on tv and yeah um, you know but, but people just kind of watch them and and now we live in in a post reality tv um society where we we pretty much yeah. broadcast the worst things that you could possibly imagine i mean it's it's funny because i was actually i was i was having a meeting with our the actor who's playing our protagonist um rachel colton today and we were all we were actually discussing the kind the this this kind of thing where the ideas came from and the metrics and that and there, there's actually a lot of if you look into a lot of the reality tv shows that are being made nowadays they they are not they don't treat people very well uh frankly and and i think that's that's what we're kind of doing is a sort of heightened reality version of the way that that society and media treats people through this kind of very very kind of schlocky lens yeah very very dehumanizing and i mean the running man is is an obvious comparison obviously that you know we've got the hunger games as well um and sort of and and battle royale um but the i think the the thing that like um uh, like patrick's script has has done is that there's there's really quite an element of kind of like tongue-in-cheek comedy that is not necessarily present um, in a lot of these properties, because it tends to be very grim, dark, 
but yeah, as as Pat said, it's quite it's quite grindhouse. It's quite exploitation. We also take because we're both big trauma fans as well. Yeah. We're we're quite big fans of um, trauma pictures. Yeah. So it takes uh, it takes a, a couple of cues from there. So it is the idea is it it's a bit grim, but it's also quite funny, as well as there's quite a few sort well, of. Like, yeah. We hope it's quite funny. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. the script certainly made me laugh. Uh, I may be biased. So it's sort of like um, black comedy uh, in uh, the sort of kind of very British way. Because you've got like films like um, like Dog Soldiers and stuff, which is pretty yeah. terrifying, yeah. but it's hilarious in the same At least way. It's very funny yeah. and so quotable. Yeah, yeah exactly. yes. I would say a sort of yeah, like a, a pitch black comedy. Hopefully, yeah. it's quotable. Um, <laughs> it, it, it was um, Pixel. There said it was it was my script. It it, it was actually co-written between myself and Sam Curd, who yes. um cannot forget uh, Sam. Yes, because <laughs> because he won't won't forgive us for not. Oh no! Yeah. Right, so there's, <laughs> there's two things, and so uh, the first one that's sort of like what popped into my head when you were talking about. Um, you know the the how reality TV is how the people aren't treated well how it sort of it uh, desensitizes the audience to the sort of kind of the actually suffering of the contestants because it's on TV. Uh, there's a good Darren Brown um, documentary about um, uh, about how the, the masses will do so it's about a crowd mentality or sort of or yeah. mob mentality and how that you you can if you feel like you're a part of something bigger then you don't feel culpable for it and it's basically yes. a game i'm not sure if you've seen it but basically it's like a game show where you have um it, they basically start they get this guy and they start messing with him now he doesn't know the guy doesn't know everybody else is in on it by the by the audience and this fella and they start messing with them like small things and they basically get the crowd to vote on what happens to him something good could happen to him something bad could happen to him invariably the crowd think it's hilarious and do all the bad stuff so it's like small things like you know um they drop a pint on him or maybe you know somebody some girl comes in and slaps him in the face or something like this and they all think this is hilarious but they progressively get worse as time goes on mm. and the crowd sort of because they're all sort of masked and they're in a crowd they sort of kind of start voting and they're still doing some of the stuff it's pretty pretty bad and then at the very end they do something and it causes them to get hit by a car which isn't him they sort of kind of get him in and stuff mm. and there's one point in time where they sort of they vote to, to go into his house and smash up his xbox and smash up some of his stuff and that was real and then they sort of carry on and there's a bit where they sort of they switch him um and then they basically he gets hit by a car and then the audience realize what they've done like they've created this and then like people are like absolutely mortified about it and then they kind of come in and go look this you know this yeah. part wasn't real but everything else was you did smash up his stuff you did do this this was because of that and um yeah it was very eye-opening and stuff it's like you know yeah. if you can hide in a crowd um you know you, yeah, you'll do anything you can abdicate yeah, responsibility yeah, yeah. exactly so yeah so that's what it reminded when you were saying about that that's sort of kind of yeah. what it reminded me of I mean, this kind of thing comes like because you're absolutely right, and it comes. It, it's been so like long lived in human society. Things like you know the gladiatorial combat, like the sort of you know, it, it's very much like it when you see sort of people literally getting torn apart in the ring, and you're like, well, that's you know, well, we didn't do it. 
Yeah. It's just it's here, but it's here for our entertainment. And I also think there's there's a big part of it, which is sort of like uh, the the conceit of um, Slaughter Alley, the uh, TV program within the script, is that people consent to do it. Yes. And that sort of volunteer because of the huge payout. But there is a sort of feeling with this and with a lot of reality TV, it kind of carries on that the people who are involved are kind of lesser and you can look down on them and that m- makes you know you feel good as a you know as a as a crowd you can feel superior so you're like oh you know these are the like even something as as kind of benign as love island <laughs> where yeah, everyone is sort of like laughing at these people i know but it's <laughs> like it's funny you say that because um i have you know one of my exes was really into it and uh, you know it was one of those things we watched together and i I'd watch it and I go, these, there's a bunch of idiots and stuff. And I always, I had that feeling of like, these are idiots and, you know, what the hell. But sort of, you looked a bit deeper and a lot of them sort of came out of it in not great ways mentally and stuff. You know, fine. Some of them created the situations they were in, but they were still human beings and their mental capacities was getting sort of drawn to the point where a couple of them committed suicide um you know and there was other issues that went on they weren't treated very well um and it's all well and good to judge people here on these things but you know you, you got to understand they're, they're still human beings and stuff and they still have lives and stuff as much as they they might be assholes you know it's it's easy to hide behind your tv and just judge people isn't it very much so yeah i mean in many ways, we're just judging people with this movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I mean, there's something to be said about the way kind of like violence is portrayed in film and how we watching violence and our kind of perception of the violence and how we kind of enjoy watching violence on films mm. to a certain extent. It's like, no, um, there was a, I was playing uh, Spec Ops Line yeah. recently, and there's a fantastic little quote in one of the kind of loading screens which says, um, violence of a sorry, murder for self, sorry, killing for self is murder. Killing for country is heroic. Killing for, ent- killing for entertainment is harmless. Yeah. And that really kind of just, well, the entire game kind of gave me a lot of, yeah. a lot of, to think about in terms of the way it's violence that is, is betrayed. I mean, it's, it's an interesting kind of dichotomy because like with, with the film, we 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 are making there's there is this sort of like judgment of our oh, all these people watching this horrible violence on telly but then we've put a lot of horrible violence in the film and that's there because we put it there yeah. you know so it's like are we any better i suppose that's that's not something that's i suppose examined, but it's something that maybe we we, we have to think about <laughs> i mean i think because it is like we, i was thinking about this earlier because uh, say like it it does take a lot of cues from sort of quite you know properties which are quite exploit you know exploitation films but it it feels like having because i have you know read through the script several times it feels like exploitation with a heart because the the violence actually quite a lot the violence ends up being quite sort of cathartic which is um the truth with a lot of media where we're sort of consuming violence it's actually sort of like it's a way rather than a way to increase our unpleasant animal instincts it's a way of getting them out without harming people um yeah. but yeah it it is interesting because we ha- yeah we have have put some sort of violence and some uh, some other elements in there which are a bit sort of 
It, it, is it okay? It, is it okay if I call it a bit sexy? It's a bit. I think I think it's a bit sexy. sexy. There's there's um. Yeah, no, it's it's a bit sexy. <laughs> I, really I mean, just like me and Pete. I am pl- I am playing a part, so yes, <laughs> yes, it's definitely. That's going to be the sexiest scene. scene. So, yeah, <laughs> so what, what pixel? What is your what's your position within the, the film itself? What's well, I mean, I am assistant director behind the scenes. I am also um, I I have the secondary role. Um, I have a, a secondary role, a tertiary role. So I have a secondary role of intimacy coordinator. Um, which we thought was uh, very important uh, because the the idea is that sort of for those of those who are not necessarily familiar with different how the sort of roles are broken down, assistant director, uh, I, I sort of generally am in charge of kind of boring sort of admin stuff on set while uh, Pat can sort of like focus on things like performances and sort of artistic direction and kind of work on the angles of actually, actually being sort of creative. But this um, secondary role, of intimacy coordinator we thought was very necessary because we do have people who are in sort of violent or um, sexual situations um so it's very and i've had experience of of doing that sort of stuff before of kind of making people feel um comfortable yeah and we thought that that was was very very necessary because we've added these elements in uh but the more um also, I do actually have a, a role in the film as a, as a performer. So I play one of the um, commentators because in in Rider we have there are two sort of like commentators who are sort of like uh, cracking wise over the the horrible violence and yeah. <laughs> sort of things just as a sort of mediator. So I play uh, Dave X, who is uh, the day. Um, who is one of the the commentators and uh, so i just get to say a couple of funny lines um and and be silly which is absolutely delightful um, <laughs> have, you got, a, have how... you got a cameo for yourself pat are you have you got yourself a i i do yes i do <laughs> um i i i play one of the um the the sort of hunter characters who are doing these these horrible murders on this show i, mean, I show up just right at the start and then i don't really appear elsewhere in the scene in the film but um where the i'm in the cold open <laughs> so, uh, right. okay that's good okay. um I, I was going to be the first victim but um my friend um came along and saw and because that, that's more of a fun cameo i'll be the first victim but but my friend um a friend of mine was was involved with the project and he sort of begged me he's like i've always wanted to be be horribly killed in a horror movie <laughs> <laughs> so i was like well okay then we'll swap we'll swap these around <laughs> yeah far, far be it from us to deny your bucket list <laughs> <laughs> i mean how i mean you like, are making a, like a 20 minute film how easy is it to make a film nowadays i mean well, I mean, I, I mean, I think like back back in the day when I was a kid. I mean, I would I would have loved to have made a film. I'm not going to deny. It. Do we, so we seem to have to do more of this, given like digitization, portability, and open source software. Imagine like the the cost level is way lower than it used to be. Yeah, I it, absolutely. Since the advent of uh, digital sort of cinematography, and particularly since um, things like DSLR cameras and and things like uh, e- even stuff like the Black Magic Pocket, I'm not shilling for them, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, chance would be a fine thing, yeah. um, but sort of like these these very small form digital uh, affordable cameras where you can do sort of you know full uh, HD sort of up to up to 4K quality. Y- y- 
it's much much cheaper to do the actual filming um and there's a lot in terms of um you know obviously advertising that you can do through social media and stuff i'd say there is still a ceiling whereby um you know you you have to kind of like if you want your film to be up there in the big leagues you're still there's still a sort of price barrier and of course like things like props and stuff are still as expensive as they ever were but yeah getting hold of the the tech is much easier well i mean we are shooting this very much on a sort of bank borrow or deal basis <laughs> yeah <laughs> very much so um, so um and it feels like there is one other thing that sort of feels like the age of the crowdfunder because i think like pat and i have worked on several projects before uh several sort of short film projects and i've I've worked on a couple that had sort of like successfully funded kickstarters and things like that but it feels like the age of the crowdfunder is sort of dying off a little bit because there are just so many um projects and um so there was a kind of golden age of uh, kickstarting and sort of crowdfunding everything, which is not to say that it is not possible to do this sort of stuff anymore, but it's it it does it does require a bit more legwork. There was there was a time where it was uh, yeah, it, it felt a lot more like that was your path to getting a short film made. But mm. as Pat says, yeah, sort of we're you know we've got a fantastic team together. I think um, who are all sort of you know quite. Yeah um experienced and uh professional uh but they you know are all at this stage doing it from goodwill and uh and, and keenness to to be in the project so yeah i mean it's it's like it was very much when we were starting it's like i would love to be able to to pay money especially to the actors and and, and the crew because i've worked uh, i've done a lot of stuff gratis in films and i know it's an it's 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 like with the best will in the world you could be working on the best thing ever it's it's always work it's always not necessarily a slog but it's always tough, tough, tough. so um i can i very much appreciate everyone who's who stepped into work for us and and like I say uh, this was the at the start uh myself and picks we were going is there any way we can get some funding can we like give them a little bit anything but uh we're we're trying we're trying <laughs> but so uh, was this, all, was this all self-funded then this this one yeah basically it's 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 what we've got in our pockets <laughs> essentially is is the budget but um like i say we've we've got we've got a lot of very talented people working with us and i think i think we can um like for for example our, our editor um i he recently um i i they helped me out by just doing some editing on some footage like actually it was pics and i shot about 10 years ago and it's come back looking absolutely fantastic doesn't look anything like it was shot by two students in a basement but <laughs> somebody got a phone going by the way there's some interference going. nope yeah that, but um but yeah it's it's all all fantastic talent yeah um most of them are most of them i've worked with before but every everyone i you know it's, they've all either been highly recommended by somebody that i i i i, I kind of whose opinion i respect or they're uh or you know i've seen what they've been doing and it's it's great stuff so yeah, yeah. 
So how do you how do you get around? So we've we've got a couple of friends. So there's a guy called Jamie McKellar who does some stuff for Geek Pride now and again. He um he crowdfunded a film that may you may or may not have heard of. It's a uh, called Chesterberg, and it's about a about a um a town that where it, there's some so there's some loophole murder is legal, and it's like a proper sort of slasher type film. And mm-hmm. I, I that went on Kickstarter, so they backed that. Then there was obviously our friends at Sneaky Zebra who did. Um, they are currently doing a Star Wars fan film, um, and it's sort of kind of in between, sort of Return of the Jedi and sort of or sort of tail end of, sort of just before uh, the Force Awakens, I think. And it's all about sort of getting Darth Vader's um, mask and stuff. And they did that on Indiegogo. Um, um, obviously, they got money to pay for slightly more sort of visual mm-hmm. effects and things like How did you get around that? How did you get around that sort of side of things? Ask us after we've shot it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the the thing is, it's sort of like at the moment, yeah, it, we are uh, gearing up for our first day of shooting. Yeah. Um, but it's all... The, the in terms of post production, it's going to be sort of as and when our our team can sort of manage to to do it basically. But I think like the thing is at the moment the project is is running very much on the fact that everybody involved thinks it's really good, uh, thinks it's really good fun, and I you know, but I I um I don't know. Pat, are you allowed to talk about the? Because I know you met several of the crew who I ha- who I was not uh you know i didn't wasn't previously aware of on another film project yeah well are you allowed to talk about that i i i mean it's been released now so i assume so um yeah we were i i I met uh, quite a few of them working on um a film called calling nurse meow which was a sort of anthology film um and I mean, I don't really know much to say about that. It was it was a great experience. I'd been out of yeah. out of acting for a while. I hadn't been doing anything really, and and I just um, sort of fell into it by chance. And it was like, oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah, we you can make films, and it's really great. <laughs> it was the thing, and then then it was coloring pics and going because I know pics had had a similar experience on was it Red Skies? Yes, I saw Red Sky, which is a. a... A film uh, that um, our mutual friend uh, Lewis Bruff put together, and uh, if um, yeah, Lewis is a is an amazing filmmaker, but he decided to shoot a western right. uh, in England, mm. and so we went and found this place um, called Teen Ranch, which is a sort of it's a a Christian sort of away day sort of thing. So sort of you get youth, youth groups come to this kind of wild west themed. Um, uh, sort of getaway and so we shot and they have horses there and everything like everything looks really kind of authentic and so we shot there so we shot this west this sort of short film western and it it was absolutely amazing uh as an experience really really good um and yeah that was so that was a few years ago um and i i sort of haven't been involved with many film projects over the last few years because i've been doing a day job instead and that kind of sucks Damn your you time day job. yes exactly <laughs> it sucks your time away um so it's sort of it's really lovely to get a chance to work on another project uh, which is going to be such good fun yeah. and um it, it's all in the sort of like 
when you make a short film like this and you you kind of do it on a shoestring and you kind of really and if you get a good product the key is then to sort of like take it around the festivals get get a buzz going so that you can go on to better projects be like exactly be like well you know us and our team have done this why not give us a little a little money to do something even better um and and you know give give us something like even longer and sort of uh and i think that's what we're hoping to do in in the long run and you'll find yeah that, so we've got like a a little list of um horror film festivals that we're we're definitely planning to submit to once it's done um yeah, do you have much to do with quad and derby Oh yeah, well, I mean, I've certainly been involved with them in the past because they do have a lovely little um, sort of horror uh, festival. I think. Yeah, I was thinking that. Yeah, the is it Paris Cinema? I don't actually know it because it's been a little while since I. Yeah. Been there, but, but yeah, sort of. But yeah, we have uh, a couple of um, places in Nottingham as well, like the far-flung lands of Nottingham. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, what's it like shooting in and around Derby in Nottingham? I mean, do, I mean, like, I assume like you do like on-location shooting, but. How do you manage that when, essentially, as you say, you've got no budget in, in a sense? We, well, this is this is the thing. This is actually how I wound up on on the calling Nurse Meow project was, and it's actually the origin of the name of our production company. In fact, is uh, I I just I I there was on on one of the the sort of discords for creatives in the in the east midlands or uh, i think it was more nottingham focus somebody was asking they're saying we're doing a film we need a forest and my friend gary has a forest um and so i that's and i went <laughs> your friend well, gary has is, a forest yeah well you know he 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 owns some woodland and and, oh. uh, and it was like well there's a forest and that's that's why we're called gary's forest but um that wasn't for this that was that was for their their thing which was by um screaming screening um uh, uh, but but anyway so it's essentially again it's beg borrow and deal like i mean a lot of this <laughs> film um a lot of of what we've got planned for this film we are shooting in um essentially essentially what what will what i suppose would be our studio it's it's um the our producer's studio that 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 is is in in derby um uh we've got some scenes that we are shooting i think in our producer's house um and um and and it's just yeah we just have to knuckle down and find the places but we we again we have there are some people and and it is like how do you find these places because it'll be things like um like i've uh, in sort of this kind of thing this kind of this this screen making in fact actually um originally there was a short uh there was um i did it did a short a long time ago for a a grindhouse film festival which i wrote and didn't direct which was the sort of the progenitor for this project um and we shot that in an abandoned cinema (laughs) and it's like where did you find this but it's you know it was just um i think just finding the people who know what they're doing i think sometimes um like uh there's another fellow we know um called matt johns and he's done mm. a lot of shorts um one of which called i think it's called a father's day it's like a it's basically about a it's a about it's a zombie 
um like 10 minutes and it's basically about a, a father and a daughter enjoying sort of like a a, a weekend together but they're both zombies and uh, <laughs> and it's and I, and I think that got into um sundance i got a sundance yeah. film festival and I, I don't think he had a massive budget for all of that i think he you know he's done a fair few and i've watched a few of them they're really well done on shoestring budgets and yeah. i was saying you know it, it feels to me that sometimes if you have the budget you mm. more your people expect more from it Whereas yeah. if you if you're you're basically saying that this is us just doing this film and you do it then mm. when they're not expecting you know massive sort of explosions yeah. and things like that but you know what they get is a lot more rewarding in a way mm. yeah I I think in many ways it's actually so this is going to sound very strange but let me explain myself it, in many ways it's kind of almost easier to make a a decent movie on on a very small budget because if you've spent a lot of money on a film and it is terrible it's 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 horrible isn't it you you know if you've been to the cinema and you've seen a real stinker of a film and it's like yeah and and of course you can't you can't lose money uh, whatever box office we may get, we won't lose money because we have really haven't spent yeah. money. Jokes on you! We didn't spend yeah. any money. <laughs> like you didn't, but um, and yeah, sort of like and famously, sort of you know, like some of the the biggest kind of like uh, box office smashes have been not the ones that made the most uh, money overall, but have been the ones that cost the least. Mm. So got like if you if you can make a a film for not very much money and get a decent return, that's actually a much more profitable enterprise. Like famously, I think was uh, this is uh, there are there are much better modern examples, but I sort of give a like a silly example that you know Carry On Cleo, the sort of terrible Carry On film that reused all the Cleopatra sets, was a much more profitable enterprise than the Cleo- the sort of Cleopatra film because it was so cheaply made. Yes, just sort of, and um, and also in terms of you know sort of making uh, things on like a very limited budget, it it comes back to that you know necessity is the mother of invention because. You know, when you've got you know loads of money and limitless potential, you can get lazy because you're making a small, like a small film for a small amount of money. You kind of get creative and you sort of and and you're sort of thinking about like how can we do this in a way that looks good, but you know without having you know necessarily infinite resources and. I think that's a, a you know a very important part of it, and it kind of applies to all artistic endeavor really, uh, but filmmaking particularly because it's such a multifaceted. I've often thought it was one of it's the hard one of the hardest art art forms because you have so many collaborators, all of whom are, are practicing their own kind of little craft, and they all coalesce together. And uh, yeah, so it sort of, it really does, it does mean like if everyone's being inventive and creative on set, you can come up with a really uh, great result. And that's definitely what I'm expecting because we've had sort of like some uh, just amazing ideas from our our team uh, so far. So yeah. Yeah. But I mean, there's there's been some fantastic films that have been made 
uh, on a small budget I mean just look at Blair Witch Project or Wreck in Spain yeah th- those are better examples than the Gary yeah. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> much better um, oh, Wreck oh that was awesome yeah found like because you know found footage of course yeah. is, which is um, I don't know what your opinions are of, of found footage films they're fine as long as they don't use shaky cam <laughs> I, you know what Blair Witch Project is an on I I loved that film and I loved it I remember going to watch it and I I remember I was in I was in uh, there's a place called Glen Gormley in uh, back home in Northern Ireland and it's where the cinema was where we used to go to and I just remember being in there and like halfway through the film this fucking guy just walked up this film is fucking shit and what right? <laughs> and I was I was loving it because it for me horror is about the psychology it's all about sort of like you know the one thing i loved about it was because you didn't know what was going on it was literally all in your mind and stuff and it was just like very real very visceral and just the bit at the end where he's you know the the the, the sort of kind of camera sort of gliding down the stairs and then you know she's screaming and it's getting away and then he's just standing in the corner and i was just like that that's freaky There's- as hell there's there's the the thing about that scene that i i love and i and and um it's it's the fact that she is she's screaming and it sounds far away because it's not her with the camera it's because uh, it's, she's, she's got the camera but the sound yeah. the sound thing is and it ah <laughs> that's such a nice little yeah. touch yeah yeah, it's just like you know that was really good. I know Pete doesn't didn't appreciate it, but I thought that for me, growing up in a village where you know, where, you know, in the middle of nowhere, and there being forests around and going camping and stuff, yeah. and freak, and you know that whole thing. Just so I was just like my my car got a, a puncture. Like I was, I just watched it. I was driving my mum's car, right? I got a puncture outside this old sort of building where they used to hang convicts in the village where I am in this ancient place. And I was just like, oh my God, this is where I die. Yeah. <laughs> this is where I die. You, you, you are, you're living the first scene yeah, for um, Yeah, I was just, oh my yeah, God. The film, um, I, I like I say, I, I, again, like I said, that, that I, I like I, I like that the kind of the touch the 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 creative touch but i'm not wonderfully fond of found footage movies but there is a film called um borderland which i is found footage oh, and i it's it, it's one of my favorite films it's a really profoundly kind of affecting movie and it's it's and it's just about basically most of the film is just these two guys hanging out and talking about the stuff that's going on around them and i know it's sort of show don't tell is supposed to be the, the word but these i don't know it's just it's it's a very unsettling movie it just, <laughs> just works two guys talking to each other in a yeah it just works it's it's amazing well, there, yeah, yeah. i mean what Sorry, Pete, so, um, one thing you were saying about the abandoned um, cinema as a yeah as, i mean there's loads when you kind of just look around I mean, because having like a restricted budget, you kind of have, are compelled to kind of really look around and find decent places. And when you do look, you do find some amazing places. I mean, like, um, like during lockdowns in the past couple of years, we kind of would just go for walks in the area and found some amazing yeah. like, buildings. Like, there's the Ambergate Wire Works near where we live, which is like there's the abandoned factories, but they've got like a right away right through the middle of them. Oh, uh, which is oh, just fascinating. Exactly, it's like <laughs> noted. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's literally about 
10 miles from Derby. There you go. Location scout, Peter Ray Allison. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In the credits right yeah. there. Get the credit right there. Walking through Shiny Cliff yeah, Woods. Get a pen. <laughs> and they just walk through Shiny Cliff Woods. You go and walk this day, densely packed woodland. And then you find yourself in the middle of a post-apocalyptic wasteland. Yeah. yeah. And they're back into some woods. I have to say, sort of like, as somebody who, who grew up in the um, utterly solar suburbs of the home counties, when I moved to the Midlands, I was absolutely um, enchanted by, like, just all the old buildings yeah. and all the sort of, whether they be abandoned or not, like, and obviously that we have so, you know, more mills than you can shake a stick at uh around here but sort of just absolutely amazing and there is a there is a very well known i think it's the i think it's one of the old midland railway buildings um in derby which is a sort of abandoned now and it's a sort of abandoned sort of factory looking is it in chester green i actually i couldn't tell you these days uh but it is um goodness so I've set myself up for a building I can't even remember. Um, <laughs> but we, like myself and sort of a couple of my, when I was a film student back in the day, um, we filmed there. And I don't think that there was, you know, it, it was just such a great location because it's this sort of giant shell, this yeah. giant sort of brick shell, which is kind of rotting and overtaken with ivy and it just looks absolutely amazing and so if you're you know if you were a, a photography student or a film student you could sort of sneak your way in through and they were perpetually bricking it up because it was a hazard it's a very very dangerous place to go <laughs> but yes yeah, you know i i think that sort of like the local area around here is is um absolutely amazing for sort of just found locations for example i mean obviously you have caves in nottingham in, yeah. in nottingham you also have there are underground water tunnels there are a couple of really interesting sort of urbex videos on youtube where guys will sort of pop in you can access them from the river trent and these little underground canals basically and you can kind of walk up sort of for miles and miles I don't think we'll be doing any filming down there unless we've got enough waders for the entire cast and crew. <laughs> but if you wanted to sort of shoot something, if you wanted to shoot a sort of a, a horror film, uh, like, you know, which required... Yeah, that sort of thing. You you could easily do uh, something like that there. And it's we, we do have some absolutely wonderful locations around here. Um, but yeah, it's just a, a matter of kind of finding the right place at the right time. Yeah, I mean, cause I, I, one thing I tend to do when I'm walking around, because I have a background in engineering and architecture, is I, I walk around and I look up, so I'm not looking at the... Um, the the ground level. The ground level. I kind of look up the like the first and second floors, and, like, the architecture is so different. And my eyes, I prefer it. I don't like the, the kind of facades, in, like, you know, for all the kind of white plastic facades. I prefer, like, the show me the weathered brick and the concrete. Yeah, well, is it, I mean, because Derby's quite a small city, but you know, it's it's an ideal example of what you're talking about. Because if you walk sort of down the, you know, high streets of Derby and you see sort of like oh, it's all like a spa or a vape shop, yeah, or a you know or uh, whatever um, down at the bottom, and then you look up and it's absolutely gorgeous, sort of like Georgian sort of stars are sort of like old, um, you know, old bank buildings or sort of like. Um, 
you know, I don't know what they were, but I like um, any building that has the 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 makers have the confidence to put the name of the building and the business in stone. <laughs> it's like this this bit. I am so confident that this will always be, you know, um, Franklin and Sons Brewery that I'm going to literally carve it in, in everlasting stone. And these days, are like, nah, probably probably in two weeks it will be a vape shop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean. There was a, but that's history, and I like the way kind of you look at a building and it tell you the history of it. And I think that can carry through into the film when it's used as location, because there's like a lot of green screen used now, and you tend to lose a lot of the texture you get with like a, a real world physical shoot. There's a granularity that you just don't get in. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. There's a there's a fun little little. Um... Uh, like sound bite. Um, I think it was Mikey Newman, and, and he was talking about The Hobbit, and he was saying that they spent like millions upon millions of dollars to make the forests in The Hobbit look like forests, and he was comparing it uh, to Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, where they went to a forest. <laughs> uh, it's like you yeah, know. the thing is, you can tell. Like um, I like I don't mind a, a little bit of CGI to sort of augment something, but the one yeah. thing, like I'm a massive Lord of the Rings fan, I love it, but The Hobbit was it was just overused to the point where you know the whole premise behind sort of Lord of the Rings was the 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 tangible physical um, props and bigatures as they called them, all the sort of kind of models and things, which they seem to have completely did away with when they had in The Hobbit, which was literally just super CGI'd. And it just took the edge off it for me, you know. Not also the fact that it was drawn out way too long for three, you know, for three films. But you know, it, I didn't like the fact that it was over CGI'd. It just yeah. uh, it takes something away from it, you know. I you, you need. I prefer so it's like the Star Wars films, you know, when they, you know, the the one of the big things about the prequel trilogies um, was that they overdid the CGI. Now, granted, it was very uh, like green screen or blue screens as it was back in those days and stuff uh, was new technology, and they were sort of kind of you know it, they pioneered it in a certain way. But because it was completely different than what the original Star Wars films were. It had a completely different tone and edge. It, 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 it had disconnected, a tunnel disconnected. Yeah, disconnected. I, I think you can you can work with something that has heavy computer effects if you are going for a sort of stylized thing. Uh, like for example, I think the um, the opening scenes in Four Love and Thunder are, are yeah. very good looking, and that is basically all just computers but yeah if if you're trying to be something that is that is looks like because the 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 old star wars films they looked they they had that kind of that era of sci-fi look to them where everything was very kind of functional and clunky and angular yeah and angular and, and it all looked fantastic and and then then of course yeah so the the um and i i i was I don't know how old I was when when um, uh, Phantom Menace came out, but I remember in my my little little child head, this is this was my thought process: was how come the the spaceships in this look all smooth and angular and 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 cool and futuristic, but it's supposed to be about 
50 years before yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, where yeah. everything is, is a lot more old fashioned yeah you see they can they're sort of changing it now you see a lot, especially like the mandalorian and um in um the mandalorian and in uh, what's it called uh, andor and stuff they're using the old school sort of like um the old school sort of um uh, look to Star Wars. They actually Designed. started doing it. They actually started doing it actually at the tail end of the re- most recent films as well, where they were sort of kind of no, was it the new ones? Actually, I'm trying to think. No, no, no. Sorry, the uh, Mandalorian and stuff. They started using these these things. Oh, which one? What, what was it that they sort of? You, you can tell there's a difference. They, you can see they're they're actively trying to tie it in with the original yeah. films, basically. They, it was Randall Lauren that started kind of bringing in various elements yeah. from the original trilogy and tied all in together. Yeah, 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 That's it. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I suppose like because I've always been a big physical effects buff. Like I love um, like things that films that use stop motion and physical effects and sort of pra- like practical effects, like uh, squibs. Like, yeah, squibs and and things like oh, yeah. the gribbly monsters, like the thing. Yeah, and you know when they actually have because I'd rather see there. There's a rather see a slightly dodgy physical effect than a dodgy CGI effect. Yeah, yeah. because with a dodgy physical effect, you can tell it's really there. And it is a it is a real thing. There's... So even though you know, it, whereas with a dodgy CGI effect, you're like, oh, this is that's not even real. Just... Yeah, but well, also, wet, wet puppets. Do... Sorry, wet puppets. Yes, <laughs> wet puppets. We do like <laughs> But um, I I was in in calling Nurse Meow um the film the film we were talking about before um I actually get disemboweled at one point, and in order to do that, we had some tights that were just stuffed with corn. Cornflower syrup, <laughs> 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 and it looks it looks good on the on the film. It kind of... I have to well, say, I have to say, like, thing, if you sorry. Uh, the real um, effects affect me. I remember what like you, it's funny you mentioned the thing because one of the most lasting sort of memories of my my childhood brain um, of being absolutely petrified of something was the bit in the thing where they're the doctors doing the compressions on the guy's oh, chest yes. and his his chest opens <laughs> up and takes his hands off. And oh, I no, rem- that still gets me today. Yeah, I remember that so vividly because my dad, um, we were in a video store. Uh, there's a small village, a small town near where my village is called Whitehead. Um, there used to be a video store, and my dad was like, you know, just wait here. I'll go in and get. Um, I'll go in and get the the video for us to watch and stuff. And I ignored him. I just sort of kind of walked into the video store and I was eating a fudge bar at the time. I was sitting there eating a fudge bar. And I just remember looking up at the screen and they were playing the thing and this Mm. thing was happening. So this guy just puts his hands like this. This chest opens up, takes his hands off and I'm sitting there and I I swear to God, I did not eat fudge for like (laughs) 10, for easily like 20 years. It was got to the point where I, I, I had this sort of thing that I could not eat it because it just gave me that feeling of horror that this gave me. And that was all physical effects and stuff. You know, I remember seeing stuff like that wasn't, you know, like CGI stuff and it didn't bother as much, but that freaked me out to the point where I was I was put off fudge for like a decade. <laughs> a long time. What we're saying about like, uh, like um, you said about physical effects is if you have one that you, you feel not up to scratch, you can still work with it. I mean, famously, Dog Soldiers, oh, Bill Marshall, um, felt no that screen. the werewolves just weren't 
you know, suitable for like light, full light, you know, close-ups. So they kind of just took um, lessons from Jaws and kind of used them kind of as a fleeting background image that so he never got a good chance to go look at them. But what he did see was sufficient. That is a master. Yeah. That film is a masterclass on how to balance humor and horror together and get a really like. It's just so good because it's like you can get um, films that they overdo one side and it takes away from the other. You you were you were talking about Thor: Love and Thunder. Um, that is a film that suffers so badly from them over pushing the comedy that it takes away from the dark edge of it. Um, yeah, the tragedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there's sort of dark edge to it. Whereas Dog Soldier is, is such a good balance between the sort of comedy, but yet of the horror side of it that they don't detract from each other, and so you are petrified, but you're also sort of like laughing away, like I hope I give you the fucking shits. You know, it's just <laughs> yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. that sounds like to me. One thing I've been wanting to ask is, like, you know, given the science start early, it's going to be a fair bit of, you know, uh, splatter horror, but also a bit of action. Yes, yeah. How do you manage, like, the, the choreography and stunt work? So... Well, none of the, the our, our performers are not stunt performers. Yeah. So we... Um, it, it's... The way um, I can only speak from what has been done yeah. before in terms of, but it, it's essentially sort of there's there's a lot of camera play involved in terms of like if you're shooting an action scene, if you want to make it look good, it, a, a lot of it is about camera movement as well mm. as performer movement. Yeah. But the way in terms of sort of um, if we're shooting an, an action scene, it would mm. be breaking everything down into the smallest movements uh small simple movements which anyone can do you don't have to be a sort of martial artist to do these things um and breaking it down in that way so that everybody knows exactly what's happening and you can get some really spectacular looking stuff from that but it's um, so it's it's a combination of how you use your camera, how you're sort of like filming it, your cinematography, as well as getting uh, performers who are confident. And of course, the old fashioned, very boring <coughs> rehearsals. Yes. You got, you're just going through Go things through it again over and, again. and over again. But there, there is a lot to be said for how much effect you can get out of an, uh, an, a movement in action if you just carry the camera with it. Yeah. Um you, exactly. you can get a lot more weight like say out of a simple punch if your camera is coming with and and gives you the, the extra the extra bit of, of, of kinetics. Yeah, exactly yeah. the kinetics. Exactly. But uh there it is it is no coincidence that all the action scenes that we are shooting are being shot at the end of the set when we've we've got all the other stuff under our belts and hopefully have a bit more experience <laughs> putting it all yeah. together. But uh, and if anyone gets hurt, it's not too bad because it's at the end. <laughs> Somebody punches a camera by mistake, then you know it's yeah. <laughs> Please, if if anybody from from the cast or crew is watching please do not punch a camera no. <laughs> lesson one of, of um indie cinema don't punch the camera don't punch the camera less yeah just all cinema don't punch the camera <laughs> well there, there was a i remember i love jackie chan films and also was watching the outtakes and there's one i think it was um 
Shanghai Noon when he's kind of throwing an axe and he's meant to kind of float straight past the camera and it goes straight into the camera instead. And he goes, oh! <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Oh, man. So uh, what's the timeline on this then? So what's the timeline on the on the filming? and uh... Filming hopefully is going to be done by... This is going to sound sound very nerdy. Filming will hopefully be done by LARP season, um, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, sort of uh, end of April is is when we are hoping to have it all in the can. Um, development time, I, I couldn't couldn't possibly say at this point because I don't know what footage we're working with. But it it, it it I'm hoping it'll be out by the end of the year, or oh. or not necessarily out, but it'll be in a in a viewable state by the end of the year. Yeah. And then I imagine we'll be looking at sort of festivals and things, possibly, possibly around that time, possibly later. I, at, at this point, we can't really put a kind of concrete timeline on it, uh, mainly because we don't know how much, you know, if there's going to be any extra expenses incurred, anything like that along the way, that pushes everything back. Yes. So, oh, that's, then again, but yeah, we'll say principal cinematography. By end of April. By end of April. And then then it all goes into post production, uh, which is well, that's all professional, fun, but... isn't it? Eh? Yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> I do. I have to say, I do feel very professional. I, I I haven't worked on a film before where we where we have like regular crew meetings to discuss kind of like what's happening. Uh, so yeah. so it does feel very big boy pants to be yeah, <laughs> kind of sitting exactly. there. Doing... What's been the biggest expense for you as the a team? that's that's an interesting one because it's sort of like um i think it's probably just it it's not going to be on anyone it's probably going to be sort of things like set dressing yeah yeah um which is like because of course because we're working with limited sort of locations and and you know um we have to make we, one studio look like three locations. Exactly. We, yeah, we, need to, we need to make things look really nice. We're sort of trying to make it look as good as it possibly can. So it's probably going to be sort of things like props and set dressing. Yeah. Um, but also, you know, you, you never you, you're never quite sure before you you do a sort of like an, an intricate sort of pricing structure, which will be something that we are doing within the next sort of, you know, couple of weeks and things where we're talking about it could be craft services. It could. I, mean, it, it's, I, I suspect that it might be. <laughs> I mean, you, need to, you know, like like an army, a film marches yeah. on its stomach. So if we're sort of like, you know, uh, making sure that we we keep in lieu of payment, we're keeping our uh, cast and crew well fed. <laughs> so Costco, Costco sandwich platters, it is then. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and big old gruel. <laughs> film gruel from a single pot. No, I, I, I believe I did mention um, in in one of the uh, the the production notes that snacking is not not forbidden on set and is actually actively encouraged because <laughs> we need to get yeah. through the day somehow. Yeah, <laughs> but, but yes, no, it's it is it. The, I can see the thought is, oh, it's going to be in like the the, the blood or the the the, to- the props or the tools or the costumes, but really it is in keeping people oh, oh, aware and fed and 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 comfortable, basically. Yeah, um, that's very, I think, very important to me because I I'm essentially I'm in a position of responsibility over these people, 
and like much as you hear a lot about directors who are very very kind of like oh I, I, I need to make sure everybody feels horrible so that they can act like they're feeling horrible don't do <laughs> that them awake, no, you know, don't house, do banging on the that. door and stuff oh, weird. don't don't scream at your actress <laughs> like f- and do 400 takes in a row i don't care who, oh, you don't who do was that, that. Oh, stanley, did that. Kubrick. stanley kubrick That's was it. well known for being a yeah, bit of a dick when it came to these sort <laughs> yeah. of things yeah yeah, I was uh, reading this article about the film in the abyss, and apparently Ed Harris punched James Cameron. <laughs> I mean, well, if only done again, it before he made Avatar. <laughs> to, anyone, to anyone who's working on this movie, please do not punch the director. <laughs> in fact, I might prefer it if you punch. Or the no camera. snacks for you. No snacks <laughs> for you if you punch the director. Yeah, that's the, the caveat if it comes down between punching a the director and punching a camera punch the director yeah. <laughs> actually to be fair yeah, probably yeah. Be directors can be replaced you know, <laughs> so, yeah, so, cheaper cameras are expensive that's yeah. why we have assistant directors yeah <laughs> oh boy. so uh, I guess we'll have to have you back on to see how it goes it'll be very absolutely yeah. yeah I'll be yeah, very yeah. interested to see because this is obviously the very start of the journey. I'd be interested to see uh, the different sort of um, uh, barricades and hurdles you've got to go through, obviously, because there's always that sort of kind of, you've got that um, how you want things to go, and then there's the reality of how they do go and what sort of issues you came up with. And that'll be quite, I think that'll be quite good for people to hear because then, you know, it's like, you know, People before and after, before yeah. and before and after. Exactly. Before and after. Yeah. yeah, and I think you often you learn a lot more from your struggles and your your difficulties and your errors. And I mean, I'm not saying anything at this stage, but sort of sometimes your failures. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm I'm absolutely sure that that this will be like an like awesome uh, result. But like we we're, we're probably going to have a few struggles along the way. But you le- just learn so much more. Yeah. You do. About... You do learn from the films that that didn't that quite don't quite work do but it, then we've had a few of those already haven't we we so. have yes, yes. Okay, so give us some examples then so what what are you what what valuable lessons have you learned from other experiences well i mean i suppose like um one thing that i've definitely learned is to always always budget time for pickup shots because um mm you you go through and you're like oh well i've written this really in, in intricate set list i uh, mm. sort of this this kind of like this shot list where i'm, I'm that's like oh we're gonna have a close-up here and a thing here and then you get it all back into the edit and you're like i'm missing these mm. bits you know i i'm i thought that i'd got everything i needed so when you have so one of the things i was very sort of keen when we started looking at sort of how we were going to schedule days and how we were going to sort of do this is, is to budget time for being like well we want to review the footage and then we want pickups yeah. and whether that's on trying to get it the same day um or definitely having a definite day yeah because once it's shot and once it, once the sort of production team have, have disbanded and they're all working on other projects, then it suddenly becomes very difficult very to good, yeah. get people back. This is like, this yeah. is it's actually tanked um, a film. Well, not tanked. It sort of stopped a film project that we worked on quite a while ago. If if you remember um, Sandra Nova. Oh yes, yeah. yeah we, it, we... <laughs> no, that's the face. <laughs> we never we never finished it, did we? It was just why was that? Why was that? It just, we just yeah 
Sorry, we, you go. We, we failed to shoot. We filmed it in a rush and we failed to shoot something on the shooting day and it just never came up again that everybody was available, you know. Which so very frustrating. Very frustrating, um, yeah. But again, it does it does teach you things. And mm. I think the other lesson, uh, the other lesson, because I'm I'm very much a, and I think that um, most most people are with who work on these kinds of things we're new project people so we get really excited about a new project we get halfway through it and then it's sort of like oh wait i've lost interest I'm <laughs> yeah and so the other the other thing i've i've learned is is to really keep up the momentum mm. to just keep on going because it's it's very easy to sort of do principal photography if if you don't have a deadline if you don't have uh, a studio pressuring you mm. to complete something or a sort of you know or, or a commission or someone who has commissioned you you can finish on a film say principal photography and then feel like mm. the edit is something that you can afford to take a long time on and then suddenly that long time becomes yep. you know de, de, you know distracted by new projects so yeah, mm. to keep up that momentum, to keep up that enthusiasm, yeah. is uh, an in incredibly important, particularly in a film project which can take a long, long time to finish. And Neil, which is sorry, carry on. I was going to say, which is why it kind of helps, and it's something that that I think um, that both I and Pix kind of benefit from, sort of each other in this way, because we are very, very kind of like, well, one when when one of us starts to flag, the other will pick up the pick up the slack and, and make sure it. everything's going on and what are we doing <laughs> kind of thing oh oh yeah that that thing that we we, we we we've been doing that 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 lots of people are waiting for <laughs> uh neil monroe um um neil monroe says on youtube don't shoot out in the rain oh uh, yeah thanks neil but that's actually our producer neil monroe yes. and yes yes he is referring to um that was our first film wasn't it that was the very first film um, plastic, plastic vultures plastic vultures yes which yeah. which we we had to abandon because of the rain yeah that was that was a bad one we, we mean, were was... thinking about sort of cutting the footage we'd gotten into a sort of documentary but uh, yeah. maybe we'll maybe put it on uh, put yeah. it out this one yeah the, um, my, 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 i remember my sister saying to me um so when Game of Thrones filmed in Northern Ireland, like everybody in Northern Ireland know, you know, had somebody who was an extra in there or something. Like my sister was an extra. A load of my friends were extras. One of my friends was the assistant AD uh, for Game of Thrones. And uh, she was saying to me, my sister was saying to me, that one of the days they were filming, it was raining. Um, and then the rest of the days, it wasn't raining. So oh, we just had a follow Thank you for, for joining. That's uh, very loud in my ear, though. <laughs> Apologies. If, if you've literally just been frightened like I did when the new subscription <laughs> button kicked in there, my apologies. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, thanks for the subscribe. Um, but, yeah, <laughs> uh, she said to me, it started raining the first day when she was doing her bit, like, was Winterfell. But because it wasn't raining the next days, for continuity, they had to bring in basically rainmakers they're the same so even it was nice warm day they were just raining on them so they had to stand in the rain in all yeah. of the shots even though because it wasn't raining that day because they had to keep the continuity up um what else was i was going to say to you is um so obviously we're looking you're you're looking 
deadline, no deadline really. So we're not sort of potentially this year. End of year completion. End of year completion. Yeah, I mean, uh, we have a producer, so kind of deadlines are are kind of up to him. That's right, Neil. um, (laughs) (laughs) But but yeah, we we don't have anything set solid yet. Once once we've once we've got once we've got as I say, once we've got the films, once we've done the photography, then then we sit and we plan the post production we plan we plan we plan all of that the editing and all of that and and we get that into chunks because we're again because we're not working for money um our editor uh, who is who is again fantastic but anyone who is working on this will be prioritizing paid jobs so that will also be a factor um in 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 like how long it takes to make um so we 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 can't guarantee anything at this stage but when we know we will be able to uh well i mean this is the thing where we when when we know there'll be some kind of announcement (laughs) uh that it's that it's kind of of ready um and 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 if you like we'd be happy to come back on then and yes absolutely Right, so, so uh, oh, did you do know, chaps, that when you when you write on that thing, it pops up on front of your face on ah, Skype and stuff? So I was wondering had, if we had a full conversation. That. People are making. Yeah. So we we know. I was trying to be sort of subtle <laughs> <laughs> by by popping it in the chat, but yeah, no, I'm gonna. I think I might have to zip off. Yeah, that's soon. no problem. Uh, we'll we'll leave it here then. We'll not subject you to our pop quiz and stuff as you have to go. So, but we'll get I, you I'm, on. I, I'm happy yep, to stay. Can stay. Quiz, oh, right, okay. Right, okay. I did I did just want to make one quick aside because I've been looking at the shells behind you there, Pete, and I have to I have to commend your taste. Of cyborg, yeah. yeah. <laughs> cyborg. I've also got Mockborg and I should be getting pirate borg very soon. Excellent. Yes, I uh, I do like a bit of free league publishing. Yes, very much so, yes. You like free league and I think you can also see um got a strontium dog badge yep. from 2000 a day. Yeah, you can also see uh, the massive bow in that in that sort of that bookshelf. Is gonna, <laughs> I'm waiting. I am just waiting because it's it's getting lower by the day. Oh, I'm yeah. just waiting for it to drop uh, and break because that happened to one of my. I had the same. Well, actually, maybe it doesn't look as sturdy as that. But I had a bookcase similar to that, and I had too many heavy books on it, and it just went boom like that. Oh, fell no. off. No, it will uh, be perfectly. Fine. <laughs> Famous last words, Pete. All right, Pixel. Um, we'll, we'll it has let... been an absolute delight. Thank yes. you so much. Um, uh, we'll let yeah. you go. Uh, we'll subject um, Pat to the uh, to the pop quiz then, and while well, you go, but it's been a pleasure. Come yeah. back on. Yeah. Awesome. That would be lovely. I would love to do that. And best of luck, Pat. I know you'll do well yeah. quizzing without we'll me. See. <laughs> yeah. I'll see you next week, Pix. See you soon, chaps. You look after yourself. Right. Bye-bye. Take care, yourself. Let's see if we Bye. can do this now. Oh, no. We've got this. We'll move this over here. And then this will be like, it's a thing. Bump, ba, dump. It's suddenly very big. Yeah. Let me there do we go. Oh, this. Dear. Woohoo. There we go. There we go. It wasn't seamless, ladies and gents, but it was close enough. It was close enough. Okay. So. Um, I didn't notice anything. Yeah. Um. <laughs> So what we usually do, sort of uh, the tail end of our our, our podcasts, um, when we sort of come to a, an end, is we sort of do like um, 
it, it's like 20 a, questions. It's like a 20, 20 questions, questions thing. And it's basically you have you choose a franchise um, and it can no. be anything you want. It could be it could be Star Wars. It could be Lord of the Rings. Oh. It could be uh, DC. It could be Marvel. And you pick a character. And you have, we have 20 seconds to name the character you're thinking about. Um, don't be like oh, Pete okay. and think of something that's super obscure or conversely something that's super easy. Something in between. You know, Pete generally goes for really obscure Marvel characters and stuff that nobody's <laughs> ever heard of. I'm a child in the 90s Marvel. Yeah. So, you know, just something relatively fun. So we all think of a character. You've got 60 seconds. Everybody's got 60 seconds to guess that character. And um, and that's it. So, so, so I think of the character. You I? think it's, of a character, um, and I have to say where they're from. Or yeah, so you don't, you can tell us if it, you know what franchise it's from, and then we have to ask you questions, and then you can tell us if we're we're right or not. Um, so, Pete, do you have one as an example? I do. Is it super obscure? No. Okay. Is it super easy? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> okay. Well, well, we'll we'll see how it goes, and then we'll. Um... Okay, it's from specifically Marvel Netflix. Right. Okay. okay. So right. So Marvel, sixty seconds. Go. Okay. So it's a series then. It is not a series. Marvel. Ne- oh, okay. Right. So, uh, is it a is it a film? No, it, it's a character from a series. From the, from did the um, okay. did this well, character not... appear in a team up? Yeah, uh, yes. It's not. They, uh... It's not the Iron Fist, is it? No, no, no. Sorry, it does not have a um, a series named after it. As well, oh, okay, I was trying right, to okay. badly explain. All right. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> um, okay. So, are the do they have superpowers? No. Um, are they? Oh, and this was a Netflix one, so it's Marvel. It was Marvel specifically, Marvel Netflix. Right. Okay. So, uh, were they in the were they in the Daredevil um, series? Yes, they were in Daredevil. Was it Foggy Nelson? Nope. Um. Right. So they were in Daredevil. It's not the Punisher because the Punisher had his own. Ah, so there's a minute up already. Okay. So last minute, we've got one question each, and then we get one more question each, and then we have to guess. All right. So let's get this. So Marvel series. He was in they're in Daredevil. Um they don't have the name of their own. And they don't have superpowers. And they don't have superpowers. Uh are they female? Yes. Is it Electra? No. I can't remember a name. Is it the the, the, the lady that hires Matt Murdoch who Matt Murdoch then hires? <laughs> Karen Page. Yes. Is no. it Karen Page? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> who is it? Who is it, Pete? No, nurse. Ah, oh, awesome. Yeah, okay, that's a good one. Yeah, okay, very good. Yeah. Oh, we had Nilo said Electra on. Uh, we had Colin Wing as well. She's a very cool, uh, both very cool characters. I did like both, but okay. yeah, I went with. Yeah. Okay. Um, do you have yeah. one for us? I'm going to say Ghostbusters. Ooh. Okay. Ooh, interesting. And, and just the films, like just the films. Because there it's is a very famous... I know, but we've got to ask the questions, yeah. Pete. So, okay. So, yeah, okay, enough. right. So, Ghostbusters, 60 yep. seconds. Uh, go. So, are they a part of the original uh, the original series? The, the original film, sorry? Two yes. films. Okay. Uh, the original two films, yeah. Are they in the second one? Yes. Are they, are they in the fourth? Are they in the most recent? One? No. No, they are oh. not. 
And then the vote. Are they a Ghostbuster? No. Are oh. they? Mm, oh, okay. It's not Vince <laughs> Clortho, is it? No. Uh Okay. Um, is it their accountant? That's Vince Clortho. That's Vince Clortho. That's no, Vince that's Clortho. No, it's Tully. no, it's not. What's his name? <laughs> no. Um, no. It's Lois Tully. Lois Tully. Oh, right. Vince, Vince Clortho is the... Um, I'm going to be embarrassed if I forget this. He's Rick Zool is the key, Zool is the gate is the key master. Vince Clotho is the gatekeeper. Yeah, I, yeah, and he's uh, yeah. Rick Moranis' character because he becomes yes. their accountant. So that's why I was. Yeah, saying actually, that. yeah, no, that is fair. Yes, he, yes, he becomes. No, their I, was, I was specifically thinking of the character of Lois Tully, not the entity that is possessing Lois Tully. So yeah, <laughs> also. It. Vince Clotho does not appear in Ghostbusters 2. Yeah, that's true. Actually, yeah. no, you're right. Yeah, yeah you're right. Because I was, because, uh, yeah, okay, that wasn't his actual name. His name was, yeah, you're right. His yeah. Name is, yes. <laughs> Sorry, yes. Um, yes, very good. Very good. Um, yeah, why? Do, I don't even, I, do you know what it is? Because we do a Blood Bowl League. <laughs> I'm one of the guy's characters is named after all the Ghostbusters, and he's got Vince Clortho. And in my mind, Vince Clortho, it, it's not. It's Lewis Tully, and for some reason I had it in my head. It's yeah. worth but yeah. Okay, yeah. Very good, very good. Um, all right, so I'm going to hit you with... Um, how are you on your Game of Thrones? Oh, God. How are I you stopped on your... watching after season one. Oh, no. And okay. I stopped reading after book one. So. Oh, what? <laughs> oh, no. Um, oh, what about Lord of the Rings? Lord of the Rings I'm okay on. Okay. Um are we talking films or books or which? I can do both. I, work, I, I can yeah, do both. Yeah, but... It's up to you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm happy. Um, okay. So I will go for Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. Oh, is this one going to be? Um... Is it a super obscure character? No, 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 no. It's not. Apparently, one minute. Is it super, obs- if it's super obscure for? For us, but normal for Matt. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, as, as, as long as it's not um, oh, Figwit, <laughs> I'll be happy. <laughs> okay. Um, it's let, let me just check um, something here, just to make sure I've got them. I've got them. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. So he, the character. Yeah, okay, we'll go with it. We'll, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Okay, okay. so uh, this is Lord of the Rings. Um, oh, I've lost my uh, my timer here. Um, okay, so Lord of the Rings, 60 seconds, go. Male or female? Uh, male. Are they in the films? They... <laughs> the character this character is not in the films but yeah okay I can't oh, really are they it. good or evil they're evil okay not in the films evil. okay are they in all three books uh they are in all three books yes huh no no wait, actually no. this character is okay i'll give you a clue right i'll give you a clue this character is another name for one of the characters okay and he is in one book where his his character the other guy that is him is in all three and he's evil he's evil is his other character good no okay 
Um, are okay. they human? They are human. Are they? Um, are they post-human? <laughs> no. Okay. Okay. So I'll, I'll give you the. Okay. So the character is in. He's in the films, and he's. Yeah. So I'll give you. There's a big cue because it, it, it's not. It's it's not obscure if you know the books. It's just sort of obscure if you just watch the films or you're not sort of you haven't read the books in a while. But you have. Uh, he's in two of the films. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's in two of the films. Um, though he is. Oh, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna fully give it away. Then if I do that, okay. He's in two of the films, and he's in uh, the characters in all three books um but his this character which is another name for him is only in the last book names for him are they still alive or they're dead um they are killed is it saruman it is saruman but what is his what's the character saruman his... of many colors no, no. No, it's Sorry, it, he's got another. He's got another name. Oh, oh, Sharky! Yes, very Damn. good. Yes, damn it. Yes, yes. So for oh, all of you, who, if you completely forgotten about that whole bit at the end. Yeah, of the yeah. I was talking to a friend. Um, he yes. was like, "I'm reading. I'm reading Lord of the Rings for the first time. I've only just ever seen the films. I've never got around to reading. Is there any major differences from the, <laughs> from the books?" And I was like, "Oh, he's just yeah. He's just like uh, Tom Bombadil. What the hell is that all about?" And I was like, "Yeah, you can see." why they sort of didn't have it in the film because it doesn't really add much to to the whole lord of the rings thing because tom bombadil is such a free spirit and stuff there's a few little bits and pieces which they change and then i was sort of thinking about it. it's like oh yeah and at the end there's a there's a there's a bit at the end which is completely not in the films which is sort of alluded to but it's not there um so you, you know there's a big sort of bit at the end the scarring of the the scarring of the shire the the scarring of the shire and then obviously sharky um is that guy um though it's a bit of a weird name for uh for saruman and stuff but yeah yes yeah right congratulations all got brilliant very good ladies and gents um right they weren't all got we didn't get um night nurse oh we didn't get nice (laughs) oh pete there we go all right fine it wasn't to be honest it wasn't a bad one so we'll give that to you you. it's not like you know some really obscure marvel comic book character it was somebody we would have probably we should have yes we should have we should have got got, yeah yeah. is is beak an obscure marvel character i don't know Have you seen, talking about Marvel? Have you seen all on Marvel? Talk about have you got the DC? Have you seen the Flash um, trailer? The new no, Flash I have trailer? not. No, no. Yeah, so I'm in very I'm in two minds about that because Ezra Miller is an absolute tool, but mm. the film looks awesome and it's got Michael Keaton as Batman and it's just like he just turns around and goes, "Yeah, I'm Batman," and you're just like, "Oh my god, it's Michael Keaton as Batman!" And you know, it actually could be really good. And oh, this is going man. to be annoying because Ezra Miller is not exactly the got a he's not yeah. covering himself in glory at the minute so you know but yeah it's the... I, I really want <sighs> it to be like um batman from the dark knight returns by frank yeah. miller that kind of the grizzled former batman who's I, given it up i think if if like because if you're bringing keaton back i i think the way to do that if you're gonna do it is to do it as batman beyond and have keaton be the old bruce wayne kind yeah. of well, he's in his bat suit. He's in his bat suit. He's in his bat suit and stuff. So it, I'm not sure yeah. if they're going to do that. I think it's going. Yeah, to, I think yeah, this yeah. whole um, 
what is it the uh oh what's the what's the flash timeline where they flashpoint flashpoint yeah so it's going to be that so it's a way for them to transition from the old dcu to the new um yeah. dcu so they can kind of get around um some of the sort of the things of not having henry cavill as superman anymore yeah but um yeah that'll be should be interesting though i i'm just very much a case of i'm not sure how i feel about ezra miller and i you know yeah. it's sort of uh, well i'm fairly sure how i feel about Ezra Miller. <laughs> i'll be honest with you. yeah yeah that's very true yeah i mean not i have no i mean i have no interest in watching ezra miller but I will say one thing: this trailer does look amazing. But okay, that looks pretty good. Yeah. The fact that Miller Miller's in is thinking. <sighs> I, 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 this is this is gonna be like, this is this is gonna be a terrible confession. But the only DC movie I enjoyed was Shazam. So. <laughs> Shazam's That's fair. good. I, do you know That's what? Fair. I, I loved. Um, oh no, no wait. The no, new Batman, I did like the Robert Pattinson Batman. Yeah, yeah. The new Batman's really good, and they're making a second one of that. I, I loved Man of Steel. I think you know, I, you know, I, I, people think he's white bread and he's boring and stuff, but I loved Henry Cavill Superman. I thought it was really I, good. I liked, I liked Man of. <sighs> no, I like Superman. Yeah, I'm not so sure I liked Man of Steel. Um, I don't, I don't feel, I, and and it's an odd one, because my my problem with the, a problem that I was having with a lot of superhero movies at the time was that they always tend to go over the same story, um, and and um, for example, I was saying like, you don't need to see Uncle Ben get yeah. killed every couple of years it's just it's just mean at that it's point snuff, it's porn, basically. But, but superman superman like is is not just a comic book character superman is, is like a cultural icon you don't need to have a film explain who superman is but if you're going to deconstruct a character which man of steel does very well you should construct them first yeah. is, is my only problem with Man of Steel because it, it takes the whole sort of the killing Zod thing which of course is, is all from the comics um, and, and goes oh look look he's not as not as wonderful as 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 he could be but we never see him be the Superman that that he takes that 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 is then then taken apart if you know what i mean that that was my my main problem with man of steel i think and then of course in in justice league they were like oh yeah he was that superman that we never ever saw all along uh, yeah so, justice league wasn't. <laughs> I, I yeah they, they, <laughs> i'm not no i'm not defending justice league in any way like i said shazam was the only one i really enjoyed so that's fair um, but uh, yeah, no, that, that's my. Yeah, I mean, I, so I enjoyed like Man of Steel. Yeah. Don't watch my movie. That's what I'm saying to all of you in the audience. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, Wonder Woman, the first Wonder Woman was pretty good until it got to the final arc, the final uh, third part of it, and then it just went downhill. It just became so cliched, so boring to the point where oh look, there's the giant blue sky beam. And it's just like, no, it didn't work. But when you, there was oh, the start of it and the middle of it, which is brilliantly done. The it just kind giant of giant blue sky beam. Yeah. And it's just like, then you kind of get into the final <sighs> uh, arc of it. And it's just like, 
it's become such a boring and stereotypical superhero. It's it's interesting that 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 a lot of the film was set up with this idea that, and 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 I suppose setting it in World War One maybe not have been the best choice for this kind of thing, but it was the idea that 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 the war was being kind of pushed by this thingy. But then then yeah, it kicks to the end and it's like oh, but now it's just a baddie that we get to punch. Exactly. I think that happens a lot with a lot of superhero movies these days. You get a very interesting concept start to build up, but in the end of the final act, it kind of devolves into punching thing that we can punch like and that and it's like that should not be your whole like like they don't tend to do that in the comics like there's a lot of punching in the comics but like immortal hulk and that's a hulk story (laughs) it's it's a lot more cerebral they they do they they kind of outsmart or they 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 figure it out rather than just just going i'm just gonna hit you as hard as i can <laughs> with whatever kind of energy beam that i can particularly do and it all looks it looks fantastic it, all of it looks amazing but yeah it's it's i think dc um they suffered from like they felt like they were being they uh, left behind so they rushed a lot of things yeah. uh, taking the time <laughs> and i think now with with james gunn taking over they're kind of going and i as much as I, I really think Henry Cavill's an amazing, I, I think he's great, and I think he's a, one because he's a he's a fellow nerd and he's into Warhammer and stuff like that. But two because I think him as Superman was, I loved him as Superman. Like I like to be honest, I like Ben Affleck as Batman. I thought he just had a bad, bad script. Mm-hmm. I think them, you know, it's a sort of thing. I've mentioned it so many times on this podcast before, but. I, I understand kind of why James Gunn is doing it. Cause he's kind of going, right, this is lying under this. We need to start again and we need to build things up. So he's like, he's literally building stuff up block by block so they can actually have something because they know Marvel at this moment in time, they've had their big moment. They've had their end game. They've yeah. had that sort of infinity war thing. And it's sort of, they're building up again. So they can now on parity build up with them. So it's like, right, that's we've stopped from that mm. point we'll start again we'll start building things up we'll have new heroes we'll we'll be able to sort of build the stories we'll be able to link them together because he's had this thing where we're going to link them into the tv shows we're gonna even going to link them into the cartoons and stuff and everything's going to be joined together and that's not to say that there's going to be things that are kind of outside of it but there's going to be a definite sort of this is dcu and this is outside of the dcu and so we're going to build it up. And I think that's the right way to do it. Sort of small steps, build it up, build that arcing story, build those sort of things that are going to be the uh, sort of the big mm. bad. And then you have that yeah. big boom. And that's what Marvel did so well. So I think and they've you, learnt that lesson. And, and you have plenty of mythology to build on with DC, yeah. to build to build that universe. Uh, in, in many ways, more than Marvel, because it was going on for longer. You know, yeah. there's there's... And uh, and I think if you can't if you shoot your load on Darkseed or or you know like in your first kind of big movie, then where'd you go from there? Yeah. I think that that was one of the problems they made with with Justice. I know it wasn't actually Darkseed, but it yeah it was. Um, is it Steppenwolf? Yeah, Steppenwolf. Yeah, Steppenwolf. Yeah. 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 So when yeah, the but, in uh, the. Um, it's Darkseed in the uh, the uncut the Snyder uh, the Snyder yeah. cut because yeah. they kind of they which they, they serve sort of, the Snyder cut's better because it gives a bit more I think they give a bit more depth to it. It's longer and I don't mind long films. Pete doesn't like long films. 
I, I like, I don't mind long films, but it's when the padders out to the point where you could cut out chunks of the um, Snyder cut with no problems whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. Because there was so much slow-mo, the point of you made the entire film slow. It's <laughs> 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 right, okay. a little bit Darth Marenghi, really. Yeah. <laughs> it was literally, we were heading the balls deep in the Darth Marenghi. Yeah. And just like the pointless bits, like the whole cult around Aquaman. It's all set up this weird cult around Aquaman. They don't do anything with it. Nothing actually explored. It's just like, there, there's this weed culture around Ackerman. And yeah. yeah, okay, tell me. No, that's it. And it's like, you, you could have cut that out. I'd, I'd, I'd love to do this all night, but I can hear my wife but, yeah, yeah, shouting. Sorry. Uh, yeah, sorry. Uh, that was my bad. We, so, should, we should have ended it ago, but we kind of no, got no, no. insane no, ways. No, no, it's, it's, it's any, any kind of discussion like this has, has the, the chance to sort of just go on and on yeah. and on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Maybe, maybe next time. We'll, we'll leave it yes. there. We'll get you back on uh, to talk about how things went and we can carry on our nerd out uh, <laughs> about, uh, about Marvel and things. Uh, by all means, if you just want to come on and have a very cool like hopefully that. hopefully um if we come on again we'll have some clips that we can show you or some awesome sounds good. all sounds good all right but okay all right, no so for tonight i've been matt geary with me as being peter Allison. good night everyone and our guest patrick king and pixel Ball. oh yes of course <laughs> <laughs>